tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Love Triangle, Champ, and Pierre's Amnesia. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal, I don't have anything to say, so I'm going to throw the ball into your court. And I'm going to receive the ball, Mm -hmm. and I am going to toss it back to you and ask you, have you seen any good movies lately? Oh, shit. Um... I think uh, since the last time we re- recorded, the only thing I've watched was mm-hmm. uh, I started watching that Cobra Kai TV show. Okay, well, <laughs> I need to talk. We can talk about Cobra Kai. Let me just put Unsolved Mysteries aside. Okay. For this pod, and we can talk <laughs> about Cobra Kai. So if you tuned in um, for I, season I, five, <laughs> episode two of Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> instead you're going to get Cobra Kai. Uh, have fun. Um. I mean, there's a lot to like about Cobra Kai. How how far into it are you? Right I'm only now? into the first five episodes. Okay. Um, it is my opinion, although it is controversial in my household, that Cobra Kai is a perfect television show. A perfect television show. Now that's interesting. Yeah. I want to hear more. It's a perfect television show. It um, hits the button of Karate Kid nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It has it does a it has compelling characters. It has teen drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, right? Yeah. Uh, each episode is like a it's a tight you know twenty five thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, they're not giving you anything more than you asked for, but it's uh, it's cohesive. It makes sense in the Karate Kid universe um i actually watched all of season one of cobra kai before i ever saw the movie karate kid so i saw the movie karate kid this year no at the end of 20 oh actually i vaguely recall some tweets about this now <laughs> you, you yeah you, yeah you were not you were not uh uh too thrilled uh, or um impressed by the 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 karate kid movie if i recall correctly no, I was ref- I was refusing to watch it because my my man's was like, wait a minute, you're watching Cobra Kai and you've never seen Karate Kid, and I said yes, and then I was refusing to watch it just to bother him. <laughs> but then I even I relented, and he started, you know, he would like start playing Karate Kid, and we'd get thirty minutes in, and I'd fall asleep, and then you know <laughs> some other time he would catch me off guard and, and play the next thirty minutes until I fall asleep. So eventually, I did see the movie Karate Kid, and 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 and, 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 and half hour increments as if it was a show, mm-hmm. yeah. as if it were Cobra yeah. Kai, <laughs> the television show. But uh, yeah, I was actually uh, Karate Kid holds up. It's a great movie, and I was actually kind of sad that it wasn't part of the my childhood treasury of films. I just had never seen it. That's that's so, interesting, um, and what I'm kind of. For me, what's fascinating then is to like, it. It must have been an interesting experience. I mean, obviously, you, even though you hadn't seen the movie, you're familiar with the basic premise of it, so you you, you could you mm-hmm. could extrapolate, you know, the basic background watching the show. But I I feel like that's just such an interesting thing. It's just starting to, to to watch that show without having seen the movie. I'm I'm just. I, uh, that that fascinates me like what your like what you know what your point of view was like coming into it and stuff mm-hmm. well my point of view was cobra kai is for winners and miyagi does for pussies oh, ho, 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 ho. yeah <laughs> um and i i think at this point i'm still pretty f- i mean it's been hard as you get further into the seasons of cobra kai but i still think i'm firmly um, I'm in, I'm in Johnny's dojo. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not in, uh, Danny LaRusso's <laughs> dojo. I'm not in that dojo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Yes. I, I, oh man, yeah. I, 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 gosh, we, I feel like we should do a whole mini-sode where we just talk about Karate Kid related stuff, but, 
Um, yeah, that's. So, but not right no, now. No, no, right, not right now. <laughs> that's what you're not saying. Not right now. Okay. Uh, I, mm. I guess. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll just sum it all up by saying, because um, what I'm kind of waiting to see, because um, for me, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of Daniel LaRusso. And I know that's a whole meme that's been out there now for well over a decade. Um, you know, like, oh, well, you know, he was such an instigator in the first film, which, he, you know, he was. But like, man, just watching the first episode, I, I just hated him so much because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like Mr. Miyagi, you know, is like, remember karate is for defense and, you know, not like attacking people. Mm-hmm. And it's like. You know, and Daniel's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that, Mr. Miyagi. And, and, and I'm not going to use karate for, for attacking people. Instead, I'm going to use it to sell cars. Something even worse. Yeah. And like, as soon. Yeah, no, he's he's such a he's such a tool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's perfectly keeping in his character that he became a car salesman. That's like, that's, that's mm-hmm. totally spot on. Mm-hmm. But man, as soon as like in that commercial, when he lifts up, when he holds up one of those little tree things and like he says that mm-hmm. you get each customer gets one with a car they bought. I just wanted to reach into the screen and punch him like th- mm-hmm. that. Like to me, that was like the, the worst move that, so far that anyone's done in that entire show. It's just like. Those little trees were Mr. Miyagi's passion mm-hmm. way more than mm-hmm. than karate was. And I just feel like mm-hmm. he's like just I feel like he's just insulting Mr. Miyagi's memory by just taking this like because you know that at least 75 percent of those trees are going to be de- dead within the first year with most of the people who take them home. Um, mm-hmm. It just it just oh, God, I hate. But well, I'll, I'll just. Well then, I, the, mm-hmm. and then I'll just like I'm just you know just just to you know put my bookend on this, but because I'm not really a fan of Johnny's either. For me, what I'm mm-hmm. really waiting for, because I've I've heard he makes an appearance, is because like in the 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 in the Karate Kid movie, the character I found most fascinating was Bobby, mm-hmm. who's the like because mm. he's he's like the. Because he's like the he's the member of Johnny's gang that like when they're beating him up in the skeleton outfits he's the one who's like okay you know he's he's mm-hmm. had enough and 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 whatnot I I I find him a more interesting like and deep character than either Daniel or Johnny but uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll see what what what's going on with him well I will I will say this having seen the Karate Kid one and two now yeah. and all, seeing having seen all of Cobra Kai they have developed the teen characters into like you said adults that make sense with who they were in the movies so Danny LaRusso is a little too charming a little greasy yeah um and Johnny's just kind of a a himbo (laughs) that's stuck in the 80s and uh yeah no I mean it's it's perfect continuity in that universe obviously the people who wrote the show were huge fans of the movies and they understood what they were writing about and that's why I think it's a perfect television show like the other thing is like you're meant to dislike Danny LaRusso the show is called Cobra Kai Mm -hmm. you're getting it from Johnny's point point of view view, yeah so yeah yeah so I anyway it's a perfect television show um but we should probably talk about a slightly less perfect television uh, show. Okay. At this point, now that we're several minutes into <laughs> our opening here. Um, and that television show is called Cheers. No, it's called Unsolved Mysteries. Season five, episode two. The uh, the first segment in this episode. Was it, it was um, it was one of those uh, true crime type segments. Um, uh, it, it opens up with a one of those picturesque depictions of a small town, I believe, uh, Hamilton, Indiana, which they describe as uh, having mm. only like a few hundred residents. But then it, it, during the summer, its ranks swell up to thousands with vacationers so we get a picture of the picturesque lake 
And then we get like very quickly a reenactment of uh, a woman finding her deceased boyfriend, a murdered boyfriend in his home and then running off, you know, to get back into her red Volkswagen bug to speed away. Mm. Um, I, I don't know about you, but like on, uh, the woman's name is Christine Mutzield. Mm-hmm. Christine. Um, I don't know about you, but in the reenactment, like, cause that you see that the, so you sort of see the house from the lakes, you know, as if you're out on the lake and mm-hmm. like the scream of her finding him was at least on what I was watching on the audio was kind of muted on it, which I don't know if they were trying to go with the thing where, you know, to make it feel like you're hearing it as if you were out on the lake. And so you're going, it's going to sound distant or whatnot. But to me, it just made it sound mm-hmm. like that when she like found her found her boyfriend's body, she just she just screamed in a really low voice. Was she, she was like ah? Yeah, that's the like that? that's that's what it sounded like to me. Um, I you know I didn't notice anything with the audio because I was I was tripping on that primo bug. Oh, like, oh yeah, man, a cool cute little car. I I was getting I was uh once again distracted by the vehicles. That in a that bug gets a lot of action. Solve mysteries. <laughs> that yeah it does. yeah like they sh- they show they show um, it a lot. They sure do. Um, the other thing they show is uh, so Christy. I guess was dating this guy in high school. She was dating um, Todd. Todd in high school. And uh, then Todd wanted to get married right after high school. And then Christy's like, it's Christy, I think, not Christine. Is Christy short for Christine? Um, How does Christina fit into into those things? Well, it's in there somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the (laughs) the evolutionary descent is for the name. I don't either. Yeah. Christy. Um, but I get, yeah, Christy, uh, Christy didn't, she was like not in to getting married, understandably. Uh, so in her first, uh, her and Todd break up, right? And then Christy goes to college nearby. So I guess she still lives at home, which makes sense. Good for her for saving some money. Yeah, that's what I did in college. That. Um, but yeah, you should do that. Don't, don't, you don't need to go to the university yet. Just go to the JC for a couple of years, save some money, you right. guys. Um, so she starts at a college nearby. She, or maybe it was a university. I don't know. I didn't look it up, and it doesn't say it's an institution of higher uh, learning. And so she's getting her education on. So she meets this guy Mafuz, Mafuz, uh, Hook Huck, um, and he is a uh, he is a U.S. resident. So he's not an exchange student or um, yeah. an international student. Yeah. And him and his parents had moved to indiana from bangladesh so he's you know what someone's in the wiki spelled bangladesh wrong and it just really tripped me oh really i (laughs) yeah they they spelled it bangladesh (laughs) bangladesh (laughs) that sounds like it's some Uh, sort of like app game or a, a band from the you know a mildly famous band from the 80s is is you get to play them as uh as uh, as track stars that's right yeah. or um that game you play where you try to guess the word without the other person saying it oh Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah i remember that but yes all right mafoos <laughs> Uh, Mafuz and his parents were originally from Bangladesh, not Bangladesh. And, um, they, uh, so Mafuz starts dating Christy and, uh, but here's the thing. Mafuz was kind of a bad boy. Which is funny because, like, Uh, they tried to make him look like a nerd in the, uh... (laughs) Yeah, they did. Here's the thing, too. The guy that's in the reenactment playing Mafuz is, like, kind of hot. He's... But they put him, like, some geeky glasses on. It is... I know. That's the thing. They tried to make it seem like he was this small guy compared to, like, you know, Todd, the big buff guy. But the actor playing him is Mm -hmm. is pretty well built, too. So it is... It is, like, 100% the male version of that trope in the teen movies where the the girl, like, takes off her glasses and, oh, my God, she's pretty. Mm. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that hottie Mafuz had a pretty long rap sheet. Actually, they stole Oops. stole like a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry from his aunt. No, it was a thousand dollars. Oh, it was a thousand. Just one. I guess I'm just the one thousand. <laughs> wow. Okay, that makes uh, that makes more sense. I was like, whoa, his aunt had like, I mean, yeah. What was going on with his aunt? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So one of the robberies was of his aunt, and then there were some other separate ro- robberies with him and his friends. So he's like, he's like, yeah. They tried to cast him as a nerd, but Mafuz is a real bad boy. Mm-hmm. He's a real, you know, you don't want to take him home to your parents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, so he lies to Christy and says oh, it was these other people that were responsible. Anyway, in the middle of Mafuz and Christy's courtship or whatever, um, Mafuz has to go under house arrest. And then because I guess he can't like interact or see with see Christy, he gets really possessive. Yeah. Um, and kind of starts making some what sound like idle threats. And so Christy very wisely was just like, I don't need all this drama in my life. I don't need to be with like, someone who's you're, just, you're messing around. Yeah, I don't need to be with someone who's going to be like just threatening to kill me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Ladies, you don't need to be with someone like that. You don't, you also don't need to be with somebody who's like under house arrest. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> just generally speaking yeah. that's my piece of advice yeah. to you uh okay so christy starts dating todd again and um did you notice you in know. the reenactment where they're like out at the lake mm-hmm. like i'm a he was you know they're going along a dock and he's carrying what i assume are like water skis so um I guess we're left with mm. the implication that like she was driving the boat and he was water skiing behind it or vice versa. Mm. Or like he was just taking the water skis out to a boat and putting them in and then they went back inside and watched TV for their date or something. I don't know. Um well, you know, being on the being on the lake and like growing up at a resort town, I'm sure they were I'm sure they were water right, skiing. Right. right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you yeah. do that? Anyway, then there's a lot of stuff that happens that I don't like from Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> oh boy, with this segment. Uh, okay, let's. I guess. I guess. Well, let's hear it. Stack's narration implies that, like, somehow Todd's murder is because of Christie's um, indiscretions with who she dated. I guess and. I don't love blaming her, and that's basically what happens for the rest of the oh, segment. Oh man, the, like at the end of the so, segment, it like <clears throat> like the end of the segment really takes a strange turn uh, uh, against her. Um, but I mean, mm-hmm. be, be, uh, be, before we get to that part, like we get this like reenactment of Mafu's walking down. Like they say, he went. He walked like ten miles to to her house. One night, uh, uh, which which is <clears throat> to uh, yeah, to Todd wasn't it Todd's house? Oh, oh, well, he somewhere to find out that her and Todd were on a yeah. date. He, it, I mean, mm-hmm. it's where where the destination is less important than the fact that like ten miles is a bit a bit of a walk. I mean, that's that's a long walk, yeah, yeah for sure. And the reenactor who's playing him, like, because he sort of. You mostly see his like dark silhouette in the twilight, and the way he's walking is just so ridiculous. Just like I'm walking like a nerd. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we got that. Uh, uh, that's immediately followed by another reenactment where uh, of of Mafu's showing up at Todd's place. You know, he pulls up uh, like some day uh, afterwards. And Todd's friend observes Todd and Mafu's talking. And, you know, they try to, like, they try to play it, like, you know, like, okay, they, they, you know, the two of them are, you know, standing there face to face, mano a mano. Uh, they're, they're trying to make Mafu seem, I, I guess, less tough. But, man, like, when, mm-hmm. you, when, when you see them standing there, like, well, these are basically... E- uh, evenly built guys 
Um, you know, mm. one's just one's wearing glasses and the other has a mullet. And the friend, the, the friend of Todd's said that, like, you know, from his perspective, it was like, you know, they just sort of had a amicable enough discussion that ended with a handshake. Um, and then it was, and then it cuts to like the aftermath police investigation into uh, the crime scene where Todd has died, and we have a reenactment that mm-hmm. involves like someone is escorting two kids out of the crime scene. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I don't. Why were they yeah. there? <laughs> I mean, I feel like looking at those kids. I feel like you know. What we're what we're seeing is a totally unrelated, like movie, where like a couple of summer camp kids are <laughs> trying to investigate a mm-hmm. murder. Uh, they look like it. Like, yeah. Like the girl. Ha- I don't know. They just with their they have matching sort of shorts and and so, like different colors but similarly type shirts and anyway. Yeah, so the rest of the segment, like, you know, they, it has them, you know, the, the, the investigating the crime scene. And then we have that weird thing where they talk with uh, Todd's parents. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, Chris, Christy's stories that, you know, her and Todd, they went out on a date. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, and they have a reenactment of Mafu's watching them from a tree, from behind a tree, go out on the date. I guess he just stayed around until they got back from the date and killed Todd when he came indoors uh, inside while Christy drove off in her in her red <laughs> Volkswagen bug. Um, but Todd's mm-hmm. family has the they may their sort of conjecture is that this murder happened while Christy was in the house. And it's very strange because mm-hmm. they're like, they're saying like, we don't think she had anything to do with the, the, the actual murder, but that um, after it happened, um, Mafu's uh, managed to get her to help him like move the body from the bedroom into the kitchen or wherever uh, before mm-hmm. running off. And it's like it's just it's just such a strange accusation to make, because like you say, at, at, in one way, it's like, you know, it's it's leveling blame at, you know, this uh, uh, this certain you know, victim, uh, fellow victim uh, in this crime um, to the you know, I mean, to, which I mean, I can understand if the alternative narrative was like she was an active participant like like you know was was i mean if you thought that she was like a co-conspirator in the murder that would be what i mean if you really believe that i can understand pushing it but instead they're pushing this like she wasn't uh you know a member of the crime but like she helped like move the body it's just it's like it's this weird in-between thing that i just it's, I don't know, it kind of feels like they just want yeah. to, like, they're just lashing out at her, and they're, like, you know, just want to tarnish her or yeah. something. I think a lot of it has to do with the same narrative that Unsolved Mysteries is kind of hinting at, which is, like, if she hadn't been with this foreigner, then Todd would be alive today. Mm. And... I think that's kind of the implication of most of the segment. And I don't, I don't like that because the only person responsible for the murder and anything that Mafuz did was Mafuz. Mm. It's not her. Mm. So, yeah, uh, yeah they're just kind of p- pushing this narrative that she's just like a trifle in hell. And that's the reason their son is dead. So, um, there, yeah, apparently, like, there was a lot of stuff that at the crime scene that indicated that Mafuz had intended to um, drive off with the body, but never did. There's also a lot of stuff with the time that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, either f- f- from the point, <laughs> like, they, Christy and Todd came back to Todd's place, 
Then at 2.30 in the morning, they decide to go somewhere. I don't know what's open in Hamilton, Indiana, 2.30 in the morning, but maybe they needed some smokes or something. No idea. Then they come back at 3 a.m. and Christy drops off Todd and says, you know, I really need to get home. My parents haven't seen me in days. Like, I need to go home for a little bit, which is, like, understandable, okay? Mm -hmm. And then Todd goes in his house, and at that point, the cops think that Mahfouz is already in the home waiting for Todd to come in. Um, the next, well, not even the next day, like four hours later, uh, Mafuz shows up at Christie. This is according to Christie, but somebody had to le- let Mafuz in. I guess her parents did. I don't know why they would do that. Um, Mufus is like in Christie's bedroom, <laughs> like sitting on the end of her bed and she wakes up to that, which is like <laughs> fucking unsettling. <laughs> and why would your parents, I think most parents would be like, okay you need to call first and if she's not expecting you like you need to come back at a later time this is not appropriate yeah. i think that's what most parents would do but whatever um so they're just letting guys in christy's bedroom um so yeah mafuz is sitting at the end of the bed and according to christy she breaks it off officially like as if not being together for a couple months wasn't enough of a hint um <laughs> christy like breaks it off <laughs> and then I, almost immediately after that, Christy goes back over to Todd's house. So there's a f- like um, a little, little more than four hours between Christy dropping off Todd at his house and then being back at his house. Yeah, the next morning. Which I why was she over there at seven a.m. Unless the conversation with Mafuz caused her great concern. <laughs> you know, at that uh, point, I, yeah, like like they have a conversation. And she's like, "I'm dating someone else now," and and he's probably like, "Yeah, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said something really disturbing, according to Christy. It was something like, well, I hope you're happy with your life choices or something. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, you know, Mafu's knowing full well that she would not be. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's so it's just the timeline's a little bit confusing. I mean, I can see where Todd's parents are coming from. Like, well, this doesn't exactly add up, but mostly it does. And so I think they're just dragging like they wouldn't let Christy go to Todd's funeral. Oh, I don't remember that. That's unfortunate. Yeah, she said that. She was really upset. Right. <laughs> she was not. She was not okay with them accusing her of things that she likely didn't do. And that's basically the end of the segment, right? Yeah. Like, um, the sheriff doesn't think Christy had anything to do with anything. So I mean, it, it, I guess that's what. Yeah, counts. I was gonna say that's the important thing. Like, you know, okay. Or, Todd's parents being dicks that's unfortunate but as long as like it's not you know resulting in the actual like legal issues um and then we get like it's so it's so jarring too because like the yeah the last several minutes of the segment are spent on this this premise that's you know this this thing that Todd's parents are throwing out and then like it immediately ends with a one of those quick text updates like Mafuz was apprehended after 24 years while hiding out in bangladesh and india mm. yeah the guy who the guy who actually killed yeah. todd was apprehended thank god <laughs> yeah yeah a little extra from the wiki is that uh they picked up mafuz in 2011 when he was flying between bangladesh and india so Bangladesh does not have an extradition oh. treaty with the United States, but India does, bitch. So that's how he got picked up and sent. Was back he to just the like States. hanging out in Bangladesh um, for like twenty four years, and he's like, you know, it's probably safe for me to go to like India now. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to fly back to nope. the states, but I could just probably hop on a plane and just you know fly over to Bang Bangalore really quickly and do some stuff there and. Apparently not. <laughs> nope. Okay. Nope. They'll get you. It's uh, it's nice to know that um, India's keeping an eye, one eye open. Right. <laughs> the airport's over. Totally. There. <laughs> that was a good catch by them on their part. Uh. Um. I mean, for especially for someone who's you know twenty four years ago. Uh. So. Yeah, that was a cold case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> India was like, no, we got yeah. this. We got this motherfucker. 
So segment solved. Oh, you thought you were going to India? No, you're going back to Indiana. <laughs> oh, Indiana. <laughs> oh my! Wouldn't that wouldn't that be hilarious if like he got on a plane, and he fell asleep, and like you know he wakes up and the plane's descending, and the pilot's like, "We're now uh, making our descent flight into um, Indianapolis, Indiana." <laughs> it's like what? No, wait. He generally checks his his ticket. Did I did I buy a ticket to Indiana instead of India? Oh my god! I'm I'm just realizing now as I'm looking at the word India and Indiana together that they are very, very similar. similar. I mean, I I imagine that had to have been like a dream or, or you know rather a nightmare maybe that he had a couple of times before he actually made that flight. Mm. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Well, he can cry about it in prison for the rest of his life. Uh, should we yes. move on to Champ? Let's talk about let's talk about mysterious creatures, Crystal. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this segment. You haven't been this excited uh, since, you know, especially uh, what was what was that thing's name in Canada? Uh uh, it was in Lake Okanagan, and I the creature's name is Oak. I don't Something remember. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, the, we're we're doing with we're doing with a dinosaur in a in a lake. Apparently, another mm-hmm. another dinosaur in a lake. Seems like anytime you have like a big big lank blank. <laughs> Good lord! Anytime you have a big lake. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get one of these local stories. Um, so let's talk about Lake Champlain. It's between Vermont and New York. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the Unsolved Mysteries segment opens with like a lot of uh, somebody to, it's not stack. I think it's like some historian or something talking about, uh, all of the Native American myth about the, the dragon that lives, the Lake Dragon. Mm -hmm. And um, we, you know, we see some art that may or may not be Native American. <laughs> I don't know. Just like unrelated art that they're tossing up on the screen. And uh, they go through that, you know, in the town around Lake Champlain. The town's around Lake Champlain. Champ- Champlain is just such a hard word for me to say. I'm sorry. I don't you were able to pronounce the weird Canadian lake fine, uh, but <laughs> Okanagan. Yeah. Um, oh, and the the, yeah. the name yeah. of the creature was the Ogopogo. Ogopogo, yeah. yes, yes. Um, well, we'll just we'll talk about Champ because that's a little right, bit easier right. for me to say. So, a lot of people think they've seen Champ over the years, and. Um, Sandra Mancy, who we're going to talk to in this segment, uh, you know, was raised with the myth of Champ by her grandfather, who would often tease her and her siblings about, well, if you misbehave, we'll throw you in the lake and Champ's going to eat you. And then Sandra is having uh, some kind of picnic or some bullshit on the beach near the lake. In 1977, and uh, she's there with her two kids, and they, you know they're just chilling. And then all of a sudden, a very Sandra Sandra describes it: a very early CGI creature emerges from the lake. <laughs> very early. I was so proud of Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> in that moment. I'm like, look at you guys using CGI. Oh. Yeah. Um, cause this is, uh, I think this episode aired in, I want to say like 92 or 93. So this is like nascent CGI dinosaur era with Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's, it's a dinosaur. Um, so yeah, a CGI creature emerges from the water and, uh, you know, Tony starts fucking freaking out. Her, uh, fiance is like, Sandra, we got to get the kids out of the lake. And in the reenactment, Tony's like losing his mm-hmm. mind. And... He's pulling the kids out of the water, and Sandra's just kind of awestruck, right? Because she's seeing this happen. And right before Tony yanks her and puts her back in the car, Sandra manages to pop off a picture of what she's seeing. And I want to talk about this picture a okay. little bit. I'm looking you. at it. What do you What do you think it is? 
Uh, when I was looking up the name for Ogopogo, I'm looking at the picture that got taken for Ogopogo. And I feel <laughs> like uh, what I'm seeing in this picture of quote unquote champ is a similar mm-hmm. situation in which we have what uh, the the part that is being passed off as the like dinosaur neck and head is probably mm-hmm. a flipper on attached to a larger creature and it's doing that same thing mm. that in Ogopogo segment we saw where was it the otter you know mm-hmm. it just flips its flipper up in the air and as it splashes it splashes in the mm-hmm. water um you know produces the exact same sort of image as the the people who are showing off their pictures in that segment and so i would i would have to say you know my this is the explanation i find the most uh, the most likely i think you're right i don't know what this i don't we don't know because the segment doesn't tell us like how far away from sure. the shore uh. sandra suspected this was or how large she thought mm-hmm. it was so even in looking at the photo i don't know if i'm looking at a, a small thing close up or a large thing far yeah. away yeah, that's that's the And I think that's kind of the problem. Mm. Uh they they did have the photo analyzed. Well, f- Sandra sat on this for a long time. Yeah. And she sat on it for a couple of years cuz she didn't want to be like ridic- <laughs> ridiculed right? basically. And then um and then uh you know, she released the photo to you know, it was in Time magazine. It was all kinds of stuff. And I actually remember growing up and seeing this photo. When I saw the photo again on Unsolved Mysteries, it seemed very familiar. Oh, okay. To me. Uh, I, I'd also heard about, Ch- you know, I'm very up on my lake monsters. So I'd also heard about champ <laughs> of course. ahead of the segment. Well, yeah, she's cause she, she uh, shows it off to like, they have a little reenactment of first showing the picture to the, um, the guy who's writing a book about the champ or, or sea creek lake monsters mm-hmm. in general. And he basically like, he, you know, he's like, as soon as he sees it, he's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, he's, feels like he's been given like the the gold medal for you know the 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 top prize uh of of pictures of you know lake monsters and uh mm-hmm. yeah like you say they they took sent it to a lab to you know be digit digitized and analyzed and they the guy the guy at the lab's like yeah i can absolutely uh uh assure you that there are no strings or pulleys or any sort of thing going on here with this this creature and i mean that sounds logical to me because why would there be any strings attached to like some large otter or something (laughs) swimming through (laughs) swimming in a lake (laughs) yeah there yeah there doesn't seem to be any photo tricks employed either so what Sandra took a picture of picture of his real whatever, yes, it, whatever is, it is was yeah. really there but um there's a lot of speculation on what kind of extinct dinosaur it might be <laughs> which yeah. uh, uh well it, 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 okay. yeah, it may be a, a play placiosaur or it could be some uh undiscovered species from the from the Cretaceous mm. period from 60 to 70 million years ago <laughs> And no one. Mm-hmm. There was also speculation that it might have been a snake-like whale that had only been extinct for twenty million years. Uh, I guess that's relatively more reasonable. And then we have a second reenactment where uh, was it the the Tappan mm-hmm. family were out on the lake. Uh-huh. They I guess they they scri- described like the previous night they, or day they had been on the lake and they had seen something. So they went out a second time, hoping that maybe they'll be able to catch footage of it. And we get what I found interesting is the description of this incident is prefaced by the father talking about when he brought out the camcorder, uh, he had difficulty, you know, it, it look when he's looking in the little viewer thing, trying to zoom, uh, zoom exactly in on whatever it was his daughters would be. Po- so, you know, they'd say like, dad, look over there or look over there. And he's like, oh, it's, it's taking him forever to, to, to turn the camera and get, get yeah. focused. So I found that a little, I noted that for the rest of the description of the thing where 
they describe seeing like some, um, like uh, you know, like several different spots in the water, something rising slightly above the surface, which I immediately just was like, oh yeah, that's like several smaller life forms just you know splashing, you know, going up uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the same yeah. time. But they they interpreted it as being like different parts of uh, the same elongated body. Uh, and then we get mm-hmm. we get a second uh, description. This is done by the the daughter of s- describing a dinosaur <laughs> emerging from yeah. from the water with its neck and you know looking around and uh, you know uh, fortunately her father wasn't able to turn the the, the camcorder around in time. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it was the wife, oh, okay, actually, okay. not the daughter, but not that it no, matters no, yeah, the, at all. Whatever parent had it wasn't able to turn it around in time and focus on it, and her trying mm-hmm. to get their attention to do so apparently spooked off this this life form, and it uh, uh, went back into the water. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say that the woman telling the story, I think it was the wife that yeah. saw the, the dinosaur, not okay. the daughter. Um, I think the the woman telling the story was honestly one of the best storytellers I've seen on Unsolved Mysteries. Like, I was completely in the moment with her when she was telling the story. Yeah. Like, she was... I was, like, leaning in and listening a little bit. So, anyway, if you get invited to a dinner party with Walter and Sandy Tappan, um, I think you're going to have... You're in for a good time. You know what I'm saying? Are you, are you suggesting that we should make a trip out to the Great Lakes at some point? Um, this isn't, no, Lake Champlain is in Vermont, so it's, or New York. It's not a great lake. So moving on, uh, I just want to. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I don't know why I'm being, I'm being such a turd this I, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess that makes sense. I, I, uh, I'm glad I didn't use my previous, uh, I was at some point I was going to drop a reference to like, you know, I was like. Why is it that we, we we haven't encountered these creatures before, really, in, in any, like, substantive way? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, and what are they living off of? And I was going to make a very poorly, a bad reference to a segment from a few months ago, but I don't think I will now. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you didn't do yes. that. <laughs> anyway, what I find... Yeah, <laughs> Glad you know exactly what I'm talking about, and the audience, you know, we can just leave the audience in perplexion. Um, but you know, for me, like watching this segment, I feel like just like the UFO segment we had in the last episode, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like in this era of cell phones, there's no excuse for a dinosaur in a lake not being not being recorded at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, I mean, you don't yeah. you don't need to suit. There's just no excuse for a dinosaur in a lake, right? If you think about it. <laughs> Did you ever hear anything uh, about there being stuff in Lake Tahoe? Because it was like, oh, like so um, deep, super yeah. deep. Yeah. Uh, you know. Did you. What did you hear? Okay, the the ones I heard were like once these people were out on the lake, and like a native American woman dressed in like, you know, clothing of several centuries ago, like her body, like Mm -hmm. emerged, you know, uh, up to the surface of the lake, perfectly preserved from, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I also heard that Jacques Cousteau was, he went Mm -hmm. down there once and after he came mm-hmm. back up, people were asking him, like, so what did you see? He's like, I can never tell anyone what I saw down there. Yeah. <laughs> then they'll... Are you sure? I didn't tell you the Jacques Cousteau thing. <laughs> is that something you've heard? Yeah, that is something I've heard, but I'm not sure that I haven't, that I didn't tell you well, about it. I'm very certain I, I got that from a high school teacher. Um, like, because that's... So- yeah, at wow. some point in class, um, he was talking. Uh, this was like for a creative writing class or something. 
I mean, th- this was this was all part of his like Lake Tahoe talking about like man, there's something down there, and he, he mentioned the you know he mentioned uh-huh. the um, Native American woman body floating the surface. Oh, and shoot. the Jacques okay. uh and I'm sure he mentioned other, you know, other things, but I can't remember them. Those were the two that stuck out. Holy shit! So, so that Cousteau story is, uh, uh, at the very least, that's what I heard. I heard it was not. It was was not Jacques Cousteau. It was Jacques Cousteau's son, oh. who's also a oh, diver. Okay. Who went down there? And I might be wrong. This might all be yeah. wrong, but uh, yeah, the version that I heard also it was just being told to me. But that was <laughs> by a coworker, not um, <laughs> a high school teacher. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was Jacuso's son, and he went diving down there, and he said the world isn't ready for what's at the bottom of right. Lake Tahoe. Yeah. So I hear that. Folks, there's there's uh, strange things down down there in Lake Tahoe. Well, maybe we'll get a segment on unsolved mysteries about uh, uh, Tahoe Toto. I don't know what the lake monster is called on the Tahoe. Uh, it, what would be really be awesome if it starts out with the uh, opening where we start out in the streets of Reno with all the neon lights flashing. <laughs> um, it's gonna yeah. happen. So. Uh, on that note, perhaps before we forget, we should move on to the next segment. <laughs> I see where you, I see what you did there. The next segment is an amnesia segment. This guy wakes up along the California coastline. Uh, he had with like a black, du- uh, a blue duffel bag, and he mm-hmm. he goes to the nearest. Uh, truck stop or, or gas station or whatever to use a payphone. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. a Zoomer, uh, a payphone. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go with that joke. They, the Zoomer listeners who have stuck with us know what a payphone is by this point. Uh, yeah. But as yeah. he's digging around, he gets out the change to use it. He realizes, I don't know who to call. I he, right. he can't remember anything. And so he goes through his, his his blue duffel bag and he finds a library card that's um that has the name Pierre April. Yeah, Pierre April. He's A- French Canadian. Yeah, yeah, cuz he's he's has this French accent as cuz as we will find out he's a French Canadian. Um yeah, but it's also the saucy mustache that gives Right, him right. Like, he said that he had vague memories of San Diego. Like, hazy memories. So mm, Don't we all? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think I ate my first Reuben sandwich in San Diego. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, my friend Howard took me to a Jewish deli. So. Oh, and, wow. What yeah, a treat. Yeah, it's like, gave me, handed me mm. a thing. And, like, he, he very craftily steered me towards getting a, a trying to Reuben. I'll, I'll explain the story to you at some point in the mm-hmm. future. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he makes his way down there. He only has like $17 in pocket change. Um, and he describes like he made it to San Diego, but he, he describes it like feeling very angry because nothing was jogging his memory. Um, and so mm-hmm. a, a bus driver gave him a free ride to the homeless shelter. Uh, the, they talk with the shelter director who's like, you know, usually when people come in here claiming to be, have amnesia, they then almost immediately start asking for a bunch of stuff. But I had the feeling this mm-hmm. guy was real because he wasn't asking for anything. He legitimately was like, I don't know who I am. Can you help me figure out who I am? And... So they they have a sketch art police sketch artist come in and he comes up with a couple of faces for the guy mm-hmm. to sketch, which may or may not be people mm-hmm. that actually exist. I, I believe he believe I think he's he th- hypothesized that one of them may have been a former employer. Um, mm-hmm. they uh they find that like. You know, he even though he can't remember who he is, he's you know he retains some some stuff like he's uh, 
Uh, he's uh, got some knowledge of physics and math. He claims that he can be, you know, has some pilot piloting skills. But I kind of feel like when they mentioned that, like he claimed, like they they phrased it as like him claiming that he 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 was you know could pilot a plane. That unsolved mysteries was like. Mm-hmm. We feel like this guy's just kind of like mentioning that one just to sound impressive. <laughs> it's like, you know, because like, who's going to call him out on it, right? It's like, oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, well, he, they also mentioned in the segment oh God. that like he has some artistic skills. Like and then they like zoom in on what he's drawing and it looks like absolute dog shit. I, I, I agree. That's, that stuck out to me as well. I, 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 I'm suspecting maybe what it is is unsolved mysteries. Like he mentioned the art artistic skills thing first, and they like watched him mm-hmm. sketch this thing out, and they you know the producers kind of looked mm-hmm. at each other, and then so when he mentioned the piloting yeah. thing, they're like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. We've seen this sure. guy's art. Sure, yeah. dude. <laughs> uh, one thing he is legitimate, apparently legitimately skilled at was music because he could play a guitar, mm-hmm. and so I guess he makes he makes walking around money playing in Balboa park. Um, and yeah, they, uh, that's, that's, that's the info they have on Pierre. Um, and we, it gets solved pretty quickly at the end of the segment. Uh, turns out, yep. turns out his name really is Pierre April. Uh, yeah, just like the library card Boston said so. The library card said so. Uh, I can't help but wonder, like, did anyone even bother calling, like, the Boston library system and be... Like, it feels like that's like they would have something written down somewhere, right? Like the... Um, I... No, I don't think that's how that works. I think, especially back then, they just handed you a piece of paper and said, here's your library but card. I would have, I would have thought... And you wrote your name on it. But what if you had overdue books? How would they, how would they find you? Well, I mean, that assumes he had checked anything. I mean, yeah, I guess they could have done that. I don't know, Robbie. They just, I just didn't. I just, I, that's what I was... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot this segment leaves out, like... How did he end up in California if he was from, you know, some part of Canada? Or how did he make it from Boston to California? Or why was he in San Diego? There's like, they don't answer anything. You don't think he could have been involved with the theft of a truck filled with frozen food, do you? (laughs) (laughs) He, you know, he might have been. Uh, I'm not not trying to suggest all people who suffer from amnesia have that background story, but. We can't discount the possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so far, I think it's like of the three amnesia, three amnesia cases we've had, one out of three was that situation. So full third. Anyway, so yeah, they uh, with uh, as soon as the segment aired, uh, unsolved mystery. Yeah, contact was made. His family live in in Canada. He has a mother and father. We have a kind of sad description of how like when he was talking on the phone with his father, he's like, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but maybe, maybe you could send me some pictures and some documents. So I can just make sure. Cause I don't remember who you are. And I just want to make sure this isn't someone trying to take advantage of me. And then he describes how his father asked him on the phone. Like, so do you, uh, do you remember your mother at all? And his mother's like, he said, you know, he, says no and he's he could hear his mother in the background of the phone call breaking down crying so sad yeah um yeah Yeah. so he got his um he got his uh packet of stuff and he really is pierre uh up whatever the french pronunciation is pierre april yeah and um I don't know. I hope he made it from the homeless shelter back to Canada. Yeah, well, maybe he decided to just stick around and play the guitar in San Diego for a while. Yeah, it's just like it kind of felt like I, I would I would have you know been like because we see so many of these things, you know, like when they reunite people, like we get a thing where we get to see them, you know, meet. 
And I was just, you know, I was, I was watching this. I was like, but did Unsolved Mysteries just not want to fork over the money for a plane ticket to Canada? The only thing I could think of is like maybe since he all he has is the Boston library card, maybe he can't go back into Canada because he needs his passport. <laughs> I don't mm. know. So who knows that the uh, all's well that ends well. We had uh, an update. Uh, it was for a fan- lost love segment that we already had. Uh, if you remember the episode with the lost love where someone's neighbor is sweeping a dirt yard, that's 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 mm-hmm. this one all over again. We named an episode yeah, after you, it. You, you can find it real easily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we just get this replayed. Uh, no, nothing big there. And then we get... Uh, a sort of not not another segment but two really quick what re- robert stack refers to as special alerts mm-hmm. which i'm wondering if these are going to be happening now more often as time fillers i hope not because it's not there's no there's no there there's no there, there's no reenactment you know? for me to look at for stuff and yeah mm-hmm. he like he 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 he, he intros it by being saying like from time to time uh we'll get a urgent appeal to cover something that's immediately happening and he says this i can only remember something like this happening once or maybe twice ever on the mm-hmm. show and he makes it sound like you know every third episode it happens uh Whatever, yeah, I hope it's not a regular occurrence. Uh, and I don't want to you know, seem like I'm diminishing the weight of uh, what happened in, in these uh, these quick special alerts, but there's not... Uh, I'm just going to go through them real quick. Um, first one is basically... Uh, they're both basically involved murders. Um, uh, the... Uh, I don't even remember what the fuck was the first one about. It was uh, it's the Krantz family. Basically, it was a husband who murdered his wife, Joseph and Lois Krantz. Yeah. yeah, he and he got captured. He's in prison. May he rot. Yep. And then there's Martha Roberts. Uh, her husband actually. Uh, they were they were happily married, but she was kidnapped, and um. Eventually, they they caught her kidnapper slash killer, and I assume he went to prison as well. Charles Lord, may he rot. There you go. So, you know, there's your two special alerts. You know, um, as we're getting to the end of this episode, I also wanted to take a moment to talk about uh, the the end of an era. <laughs> What? And um, yeah, I don't know if you heard, but the band uh, Daft Punk, <gasps> yeah, has called it quits. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was. And uh, I only am mentioning it because some some clever listeners may have picked up that the cut music that we've been using between segments this entire time is a sample of Daft what? Punk. It's actually two samples. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I. Um, so please don't, please don't sue us. I just feel like I can finally mention it now that the band is broken up and that I've been keeping this terrible secret this entire time. I've wondered, but I've never bothered to ask. I, I, I guess, hmm. I guess on the, yeah. the positive side, the odds of them, uh, unleashing legal issues against us have probably just plummeted dramatically. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure the record label should could come after us. Hey, if you want to help uh, contribute to any pending lawsuits we might have, um, we have a Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash reenactedpod. That also helps us produce cover the cost of producing the show. Uh, also, if you feel so inclined, please leave us, you know, five stars on iTunes. If you don't feel inclined, just don't leave a review. Yeah. 
that is an option that is open to you as well. But I assume if you've made it to the end of us blathering on at the end of the episode that you have enjoyed or at least well tolerated what we had to say. Um, also, we're re- at Reenacted Pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. If you want to yell at us there and uh, Reenacted Pod at Gmail, if you feel like sending us a note. See, Robbie, I did all the social media stuff there. You did? Wow, you kind of... Uh... That's usually what you do, but I stole you it. Beat me to the punch. Clever girl. Uh, so that really only leaves one thing. Join me next time. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. 